How are you today? Are we good? Are we good? It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. It's a good day to praise Him because He is good all of the time. All of the time. This sovereign God. He is so faithful. He is so generous. He is so real. He is so true. And uh, as, as, as great as it is to be here on a day where such a delightful, wonderful, exciting announcement occurred, I believe that God has saved the very best for right now. Because more than paying off a building, God wants to do some things in your heart and in your lives today. And if we will open our hearts and allow him to do those things, then the limits will be removed on the wonders that we will see. Do you want to see him do some wonderful things in this place? Yes? I am so thankful for those who have been so faithful over the years into sowing into this place. And I want you to know that this facility is certainly by no means my facility. This is not my church. And really, quite frankly, it's not our church. This is the Lord's place. And we want God to do really incredible things in this place. Amen? Amen. And so we're going to trust him. Uh, we're going to trust him in that and trust that he's going to do that. I'm excited about today. We're starting a new series. Say new series. And the new series is something that, uh, that I'm really excited about. We're talking about struggles. <laughs> We're talking about struggle. The struggle is real. But you know what? I can't rightfully talk about struggles without talking about the radical love of Jesus Christ. And so I'm really jazzed today because I know that I get the opportunity to talk about the love of Jesus Christ. When you see a sign that says the struggle is real, I know where your mind goes because I know where my mind goes. But I want you to know that throughout these next few weeks when we're talking about struggles, we're not here to focus on our struggles. We're here to focus on the one who can do something about them, okay? So let's, let's do that today. Let's be excited about what God's going to do. Can we open in prayer and then we're gonna stand and read a couple of scriptures. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are God, a God that is so much bigger uh, than we could ever imagine. I thank you that you breathe stars, God, that you created this universe and you know the numbers of hairs on our head. God, today I ask that you would move in a mighty way, God. I ask that our hearts would be prepared, Lord, to, that you would be able to remove limits off of our hearts, Lord, so that you could do wonderful things among us. We love you today. We acknowledge you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me today? We're gonna read two scriptures, uh, both written from the Apostle Paul. The first is gonna come from the book of Ephesians. Let's read this together. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That was Paul writing to the to the church at Ephesus. And so now we're going to read a, a portion of scripture in his letter, his second letter to the Corinthians that simply says this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace, that is not Paul speaking, that is Jesus speaking. Let's say that again. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. You may be seated. This is the word of God. This is, this is true. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Have you ever been weak? Have you ever been weak? Guys, I, um, I have to tell you something. 
uh, that may be a little bit of an epiphany to you. I don't know, maybe not, maybe not, but it might be an epiphany to you. Your pastor struggles. If you're looking to attend a church where your pastor does not struggle, then this probably is not the church for you. I have lived a majority of my life on the struggle bus. I have, I, have, I have sat in every seat from front to back, middle, side to side. I have sat in every seat of the struggle bus. And most of the time while I'm on the struggle bus, I tend to work so hard to convince you that I'm not on the struggle bus at all. And in my working so hard and trying to convince you that I'm not on the struggle bus, my focus in working so hard to convince you that I might have it all together at times, which I really don't, I begin to convince myself that I'm the only one on the struggle bus when the reality is, is all you all are on the struggle bus as well. The struggle bus is packed. The struggle bus is packed. And I'm not just talking about like uncomfortable space in one chair packed. I'm talking about we're all over each other, on top of each other, on top of shoulders, trying to cram every little nook and cranny of the bus. We're all on the struggle bus because we are a people who struggle. We are a people who struggle. I, 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 tend, to, I tend to struggle with a, a variety of things. You know, when I see signs like this, you know, I, I, I struggle I struggle, I struggle by reading those numbers in order. You know, I just, I, I struggle by seeing it the way that everybody else sees it, you know? Uh, when, when, I, when I host a party at my house, which I'll do from time to time, and, and I invite Arwen Jones to come over to my house and she brings a crock pot of the most delicious macaroni and cheese. All of a sudden, the fact that I am hosting the party goes out the window and I get right in front of the line and I take more so much so that nobody has any left. True story. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle. When my wife says to me, dear, if you, could just, if you could just walk the extra three feet to put your shoes in the bin, all you have to do, just, just, just pick them, just, just when you take them off, just put them right there instead of in the middle of the floor. Guys, I struggle. I struggle. When I'm in a fast food restaurant and I am number four, five, or six in line and there are 42 people behind the register and only one register is open because everybody else is on their cell phone, I struggle. Does anybody else struggle? If we start unpacking the struggles in this room, we will redefine the Me Too movement real fast. We struggle. We struggle with a variety of things. Our lives are, 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 are encompassed with all of these various things that we touch and we, and we struggle and, 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 and we're on this struggle bus. And as we're on this struggle bus, boy, do we not work so hard to convince others that we're not struggling. Is that true? Or is that just me? So many times in my life, I want to walk out. You remember when I talked about the scuffed up white shoes? I'm wearing gray shoes today, by the way. I saw Justin's white, white shoes up there. I was wondering if there was any scuffs. I didn't see any. You can't see them, right? But we worked so hard to cover up. I, I said in the early gathering, it's kind of like I had a white shirt on. I ate a burger and mustard fell down on the shirt. And so instead of just being like, hey, I got mustard on my shirt, I start walking around like this. Okay. Which one, which one is more distracting, the mustard on the shirt or the fact I'm walking around like this? But so many times we walk around like this and we look like idiots trying to convince something, somebody else of something that's not actually true. 
And so I'm on this struggle bus and the Lord gave me just enough of an opening, a crevice of an opening in my, in my mess that he allowed me to open my eyes to the truth that you are not alone. You are not alone. One of the greatest schemes of the enemy is to convince you that you are alone. One of the greatest tactics that the enemy uses is to allow yourself to see your mess and define your life so much by your mess that you step back and you say, I must be the only one. And the truth of the matter, friends, is you are not alone. You are not alone. Not only do we have other friends on the bus who struggle, but you are not alone because the creator of the universe paid a price to be with you. You are not alone because he is with you. And so I struggle. I struggle and I struggle and I struggle. And I was talking to the Lord about my struggles. And I'm like, Lord, I've got these struggles and I've got a problem with my struggles. Have you ever had a problem with your struggle? No? Problem with your struggle, right? I got a problem with my struggles, okay? I got, here's my problem. My problem is, is I come to church and this is maybe, you know, this is over like decades here, okay? I come to this church and, you know, some phenomenal speaker like Ronnie Meek, or Barbie Laughlin will come up here and they will deliver the most anointed message to where my struggle just pops right up in front of my face. Ever happened to you? You're starting to just boom, just right there. And I say, oh, I'm gonna change this thing today. This is over today. I'm gonna go down front and I come down here and Alan Smith's down here and boy, he will call down all the angels from heaven over my struggle and I will be set free from that struggle and I will walk out of this building puffed up, so excited. I'll get in my car and I start driving 53 miles an hour again. <laughs> Why is it that when I bring my struggle before the Lord, and I come back and I bring my struggle before the Lord and I bring my struggle before the Lord and I bring my struggle. I go right back out past those dark doors right there and I pick that struggle back up and I'm still contending with it. Is anybody else hearing that? Is that, is that anybody else or is that just me? I, and I'm like, Lord, th this doesn't make sense. I'm supposed to be able to bring my struggles to you and you're supposed to take my struggles away, right? Lord, I want you to, I don't want this in my life. I don't want it. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. No. And so I'm like, Lord, what, what is going on here? Something is up. And he drew me to this passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where this statement from Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. Boy, that is powerful. My, my grace is sufficient to, for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. This is actually a response to a portion in the letter that Paul is writing about this thorn that he has in his flesh. Now, I don't believe he's talking about a literal thorn in his flesh, like a thorn coming out where he pops balloons, you know, no, nothing like that. But he's talking about having to contend with a, with a struggle. He's got something going on. And the Bible tells us, Paul says to the Corinthians, and I pleaded with the Lord three times, take this away from me. Take this away from me. I don't want it. Now, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe that was literal. Maybe he did it three times. I tend to read it like he went back and he went back and he went back again and again and again and again and again. Anybody ever been in that cycle of again and again and again? So he goes back again and again. 
And the Lord replies, not I'm gonna remove the thorn, but he replies with, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And part of what Paul is conveying in that and the reason Jesus said that to him is to say, if you didn't have that thorn, you wouldn't need to rely on me. If you didn't have that struggle, you would not need to tap into who I am in my strength. See, some of us struggle. <laughs> would, you, would you rather have the struggle that keeps you on your knees saying, I need God, or the struggle that says, I don't need a God at all? And so I said, okay, God, <laughs> all right. So you're telling me, God, I've got these struggles in my life and I'm just supposed, okay, I, I may, Lord, should I stop coming to the altar about them? Should I stop trying to get, I mean, do I just say, okay, let, let me just take my struggle and it'll become a lifestyle. Why not? Why not? Why, why, why not just make it a lifestyle? Why not just live there because God's not taking it away and his strength is made perfect in my my weakness. But God says to me, Kevin, you are so my sheep and I love you. <laughs> God said, there's more to my word than just this. And so he brought me to that passage we read in Ephesians. And let me tell you, this threw me for a loop. Okay. Paul's saying, I got a thorn in my flesh. But then in a letter to the Ephesians, he says, we don't struggle against what? And we don't struggle against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, spiritual forces, et cetera, et cetera. We don't, we, don't, we don't struggle against flesh and blood. So God, wait a second. Now, okay, I'm, I'm a bit confused here, God. You're saying to me, okay, you're saying to me, <laughs> your grace is sufficient. Uh, this weakness, I'm coming again and again and again, but it's a thorn. Maybe this struggle is a thorn you've given me and I'm just supposed to contend with it. But yeah, I don't, I'm not struggling against flesh and blood. That's not what, God, I'm so confused. Now I'm gonna tell you guys, here's another epiphany about your pastor. I'm the dumbest sheep in the, pe in, in the sheep pen. Just, I'm just let you know, okay? I bang my head against the wall and he teaches me from the pain, okay? I'm the guy who needs the billboard with the big flashy signs and God says, this is it, okay? And whenever I follow that, he does wonderful, crazy, amazing things, right? And so, God said to me something so profound whenever I was going to him, confused about, God, what about my struggles? He said this. He said, Coca-Cola. So he said, he said, Coca-Cola. Like, Coca-Cola. This is because God knows me so well. He knows me so well. I'm a visual learner. I need to touch things. I need to see it, right? So he said to me, Coca-Cola. This is Coca-Cola, okay? Now, Justin... Let's act like you've never had a, had a sip of Coca-Cola in your life, okay? Let's just, let's just pretend for a moment, okay? Justin, this is Coca-Cola, and uh, I would like you, I would like you to enjoy this Coca-Cola, okay? Yeah, I do. I want you to enjoy this Coca-Cola. Now, the, the only reference that you would have, the only perspective you have had that to, to, to buy into the truth that this is Coca-Cola is the fact that the label says Coca-Cola. You haven't tried this yet. You don't know what's on the inside, but all you know is this is Coca-Cola because it says it's Coca-Cola. And I'm saying to you, this is Coca-Cola. This could be motor oil. And I can hand it to you and it says Coca-Cola, right? So the purpose and the essence of Coca-Cola is not in the label that's on the outside. It's on the enjoyment of what's on the inside. 
The purpose of Coca-Cola to be enjoyed is by opening it up and pouring it into a glass and enjoying the refreshing taste. This is not a commercial for Coca-Cola, by the way. But enjoying the refreshing taste of Coca-Cola, right? On the inside. So if I hand Justin this Coca-Cola and say, man, here's some Coca-Cola. I'd like you to have this and enjoy it. And he goes home and he puts it on his shelf and he stares at it and he walks by it and it sits there for a month, just like that. Does he have the authority to speak on what Coca-Cola tastes like in the experience of Coca-Cola? Yes or no? No, why? Because he has not opened the bottle and tasted what was on the inside, okay? So I take this Coca-Cola, okay? Now, there's something going on on the inside of this Coca-Cola. There's some pressure going on on the inside. There's some struggle going on on the inside of this Coca-Cola. So if I open this Coca-Cola, something's going to happen, right? Something's going to happen that we were not expecting if I just said it right here and I invited Justin into the room. I said, hey, here's some Coca-Cola, right? And he would come in and say, oh, okay, I'd like to have some Coca-Cola. But if Justin takes this Coca-Cola and he opens it, hey, it's okay, we just paid off the church. Listen, (laughs) listen. If Justin comes in and I'm inviting him to have this Coca-Cola, right? Justin, right now, there is a mess on this stage and there is a half bottle of Coca-Cola. If I invite you to come in to enjoy Coca-Cola, you're not going to, you're not going to enjoy or experience the Coca-Cola based on the mess. You're gonna enjoy it based on what's happening on the inside, yes? Okay, so the struggle from the inside exploded to a mess on the outside. The struggle on the inside exploded to a mess on the outside. Are you following me? So, now, you remember this label? This label says Coca-Cola. This label hasn't changed. This is Coca-Cola. It does not matter that the label's Coca-Cola. You could be a Sprite. You could be a Diet Coke. You could be a Dr. Pepper. You could be name brand or off brand. It does not matter. It does not matter what label you walked in here with. What matters is that you know that everyone has the potential to have stuff going on on the inside. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? What's going on on the inside is what matters. So here's what we do. We take a label and we write the word struggle on it and we slap it on this mess. And we say, God, I want you to remove this struggle from me. But what we don't understand is that the struggle is not in the mess. The struggle is what's happening on the inside. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The struggle is not in your mess. It's in on what's on the inside. And so when we slap the struggle and put it on our mess, all we're doing is covering up, we're covering up What we don't want other people to really know is that we're jacked up on the inside. And so what we do is say, God, come clean up my mess. Come clean up my mess. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. Let me ask you something. What's the struggle? Is the struggle doing drugs 
Or is the struggle the brokenness and the pain inside? Is the struggle the pornography? Or is the struggle the lack of intimacy and connection and shame? Is the struggle that, is the struggle that you really don't have enough money to, do, to, to, to pay tithes? Or is the struggle obedience? You see, what we often do is we take the mess that's happening outside and we label it as a struggle and we ask God to clean it up. And why do we ask God to clean up this struggle or this mess? We ask God to clean up this mess because we want to save face around our friends. It has nothing to do with us getting right with God. We clean up this mess because it's the mess that everybody else sees. It's the mess that everybody else touches. It's the mess that everybody else is affected by. And if we didn't have the mess, then some of us would never cry out to God. If we didn't have the mess, some of us would never cry out to God. Let me tell you something. There is no struggle that is too big for God's power. There is no struggle that is too big for God's power. He knows how to clean up every single mess, but that's not what he's, his blood is what covers our mess. His blood is what covers our mess. And God wants to step into our mess so that he can clean up what's going on on the inside. Because if we can clean up what's going on on the inside, then we can, what's on the inside will be used for its intended purpose. We would not have explosions happening all over, the, all over the place of the mess. I'm asking today that the Lord would give us clarity to understand where our struggles actually lie because we do not struggle against flesh and blood. I am, I am conveying and submitting to you today that instead of coming up here for the 38th time and asking God to deliver you from drug addiction, why don't you come up here and say, God, why am I in drug addiction? Let's go to the root and let's heal the root. Because if you heal the root, then the symptoms go away. If you can heal the root, the symptoms go away. Over in the book of Revelation, chapter three, John is pinning a letter to seven churches. And one of the churches is the church of Laodicea. And the church of La in the church of Laodicea, they are a people who are walking around with a bunch of labels saying, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't have any need for Jesus. And John writes in, the, in chapter three, verse 20, he says, Jesus is standing there at the door and Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm standing at the door and I knock. And if anybody will let me in, I will come into his house and I will sit with him and I will dine with him. I will eat a meal with him. Let me tell you, some of the most transformative conversations I've had in my life have been over a meal. Because when you go into somebody's house and you eat with them, when you dine with them, it conveys a level of intimacy. So many of us are so scared to open the door and let Jesus in because we're scared he's coming in with a big flashlight to highlight our mess and condemn us and put us to shame. But he did that and took care of that at the cross. The blood has covered that mess. He wants to come in so that he can heal you. He wants to come in so that he can address the true struggle that's going on on the inside so that the symptoms don't explode on the outside. He's saying, behold, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. Behold, I'm standing at the door and knocking. Let me ask you something. Are you willing to open the door and let him in today? I believe that we limit 
the wonder that could happen in our lives by not allowing this Savior to come in and penetrate the deepest, darkest places of our hearts. The deepest, darkest places, the places that we are really struggling and in turmoil. And all of this extra stuff is just stuff that's on, it's superfluous and on the outside. God is not concerned about this mess. He can, he can clean up a mess. He can do that. And sometimes he, he has such, such patience with us that he'll come out with a mop and he'll clean this up knowing you're going to come right back to this. But the true freedom comes from whenever he gets on the inside. What are you hiding on the inside? What is it, friend, that you need to change on the inside of your life? Garner, will you come back? You may have wondered why when I came out here, I lit this candle. I lit this candle uh, for a specific reason. Last two Tuesdays from, uh, ago, we had our elders meeting um, here, our, our monthly elders meeting. And, um, and Garner was here to, uh, to lead us in uh, some worship. And um, does anybody know this guy? I don't think anybody does. Anybody know this guy? This guy. This is Mark Dupez. I've never met this guy before in my life. Um, I don't know much about him. But I, on Tuesday, around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I got a phone call while I was talking to my accountant. My phone was buzzing in my ear, buzzing in my ear, buzzing in my ear, and I look at my phone, and it's down there, and Barbie and Hal and Cindy, they're saying, 911, call me right now, 911. And so I go, oh, okay. So I hang up with my accountant, and I call, you need to get to the church right now. So I get to the church, and Mark has committed suicide right in our parking lot two Tuesdays ago. Now, I don't know anything about Mark. I don't know his mess. I don't know anything about what's going on in his life, but I can tell you this much. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. And many of you, when you pulled in this morning, when you walked by, you walked by the exact spot that he made a decision based on stuff that was going on on the inside. Guys, the struggle, the struggle is real. And we don't fight against flesh and blood. There are things inside us that need to be worked out as we are on this journey to look like Jesus. And Jesus is in our life and I believe he is pleading. And I came out and I said, I'm so excited today because I get to talk about the radical love of Jesus. And what I meant when I said that was this. This same God who came in the form of man that we took up and we slapped and we spit on and we put a crown of thorns on and we murdered and put him on a cross. When he rose again the third day and he took death and power over death in the grave, he had every right to look at Kevin O'Day and say, get your life together or get out of my sight. But he doesn't do that to us. What he does is he looks at us like the prophet Isaiah says, and he says, come, come, let us reason together. Come, let us, behold, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking if you'll just let me in. If you'll just let me in, I want to have a conversation with you. There's some things in your life that you need answers to and you don't got the answers. 
There's some things in your life that you're contending with and I've got life for you. I've got hope for you. Some of you in this room may have lost your way and Jesus says, I am the way. Some of you on the inside, your message just exploded on the outside because you have bought into the lies that people have spoken over your life. And Jesus says, I am the life. I am the truth. He says, I am the way, I'm the truth. And some of you are heading toward death and destruction because you're just so wallowing in the mess and you're not willing to let him in. And Jesus says, I am the life. Behold, behold, I'm standing at the door. Will you just let me in so I can sit down and we can have a meal together? Because when you let me in, true freedom will come. True freedom will come because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. He who the sun sets free, none of the vices you're chasing after, none of the things you're content, none of your mess is going to set you free. This Savior God, he is going to set you free. All of us in this room have deep-rooted struggles, and we need a Savior to come in and radically change our lives. Will you let him? Will you let him? Guys, the struggle is real. And my prayer for us today is that we begin to open our eyes to realize that the mess that we're contending with is not the actual struggle. The struggle is what's going on on the inside. And God has an answer to that. So on the night whenever I came here and the elders were here, I said, guys, I, I am a little bit rattled today. We had an incident in the parking lot. Garner's going to lead us in worship and then we'll get into the meeting. And Garner felt led to play this particular song. And as I was down here, down front worshiping while he was playing this, God said, this is the, this is the prophetic song that I want to sing over my people for this series. And so what I'd like to do today is something a little bit different. I would like us to stand. One of the, um, go ahead and stand. One of the, um, one of the things that, uh, one, of the, one of my favorite moments at this church was we were doing uh, an Up to Zion recording. Pastor Wayne Berry was leading that, and uh, that was back in the old building. And on the, top of that, on the top of that recording, and I was in the room at the time, Pastor Ronnie got up and he grabbed a microphone and he said this, this place is yours. You can go anywhere you want in this place to encounter your God, to be with your God. You connect with him where you need to connect with him. And that's always stuck with me. Guys, I wonder what it would look like for us, and this is in no way a form of manipulation, okay? Just go with me here. I wonder what it would look like metaphorically if we would step out of our comfort zone. We'd stop trying to clean up on the struggle bus and we'd actually acknowledge I've got a struggle. Because let me tell you, stepping out and saying, okay, I'm gonna go down to the altar, stepping out into the aisle says to the people around you, oh, there's something going on. But I think we've already solidified that everyone has something going on in this place. And so if your fear of man supersedes your fear of God, I want you to get that in the right order, in the right perspective. And there's not a reason to fear this God because this God is for you, not against you. He wants to see you set free. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'd like to see some people liberated even today because this is the day the Lord's made. So what I'm gonna ask you to do, he's gonna sing this song over us. And I want you, this is your space. We just paid this off. This is your space. 
You want to come grab a spot on the stage? You want to come down here? You want to go up? You just want to step in the aisle just to say, Lord, I'm stepping out and acknowledging I've got things on my inside that I need, I need, some, I need some help with. And it may be manifesting in some shameful way on the outside, but God, you have covered my shame, so I'm going to trust you in that. And I want you to fix what's broken on the inside. And I believe that he will do that this very day. So you move now as he's going to sing this song. Let's go.